0: Hello, welcome to ISU Redbird's podcast. I am John Pemberton, former ISU Redbird from 1985 to 1990. I am joined by Steve Thate, ISU alumni from 1984 to 1988. I am also joined by John Diner, ISU alumni from 1984 to 1988. Hello and welcome to Bird Fans Forever podcast. This is episode nine. I'm not holding up fingers anymore. Um, So, episode nine. Today we have Matt Chastain. We'll be getting to him here shortly. He played for ISU from 2017 to 2020. Um, Before we get to Matt, I'd like to thank you for listening to our podcast. Remember, you can uh, listen to the audio version on any one of your podcast app listeners, right? Apple, Google, Spotify, blah, blah, blah. And then also on YouTube, right? Episode nine. We're going to go and talk to Matt Chastain. All right, here we go. We're here with Matt Chastain, ISU Redbird from 2018 to 2020. Did I get that right? Uh,
1: yeah. Okay. 17 to 20. 17, 17 to 20. 17, Perfect,
0: dude. Yeah. Remember, I'm 55. You're in your early 20s. You've got to be a lot sharper. Come on, come on. I
1: know, right. I
2: know. <laughs> All right, so we're going to get started. Yeah, Matt, tell us a uh, You know, One of the questions we like to ask everybody is like, how did you ultimately end up at ISU? Tell us that story.
1: Um, Well, coming out of high school, uh, I didn't have much going for me in terms of schools. Uh, The summer before my senior year of high school, I had hurt my knee, knee surgery. So I didn't really get a chance to talk to any schools or play. Uh, And then really late in high school is probably, if you're familiar with, postseason Illinois high school basketball, it wasn't until sectionals, so five games in or so, that I got my first offer, and we ended up playing a little bit longer one state and had a lot more come in, and I think my final three schools was Utah, Loyola, and Illinois State, so a little different, all of them, but I ended up going to Loyola for a year, and I guess it just didn't work out for me. I got hurt up there. Um, I think it just came down to, I want to be a little closer to home when coming out of high school, maybe that wasn't where my mindset was at. Uh, so I actually just, I only had one other offer when I transferred and that was Wright State. But one of my big reasons for leaving was to be closer to home and that's four hours away. So I actually ended up just enrolling at ISU. Couldn't, couldn't legally talk to the team, anything. i just enrolled in isu i started class first semester summer class at the end of may and after the first class i called Mueller. hey i'm enrolled at isu is there any chance we can talk because it only been a year since i talked to him for in high school says well i'm in ireland right now so i'll get back to you in a week (laughs) so i'm doing classes and i'm working on the farm back home and i finally get a call back from him We'll come into the office. I go in and talk, and the first thing he says when I get in there, he goes, "It's about damn time." (laughs) Started playing, yeah. Started work out, so I started as a walk on back here, and went from there. So So you got
0: you got the Loyola, and then I think you said you you tore your ACL, right?
1: Yeah. So it's. Uh, middle of the second half of the third game I guy was dribbling right pull up from 15 I went to contest off one leg and I just felt it give and pop it was another one of those things where I was on the floor in a lot of pain trainer comes out it's like I just told, told, him I told him I tore my ACL because I had done it four years before that too same and, leg same leg so I had two ACLs in my left knee. And then uh, what a week later or so I had an MRI and they said that, uh, said that I had torn my ACL and that I was out for the season and needed surgery.
2: Been there. So, so you come back to ICU, you're a walk-on. You obviously have to rehab that whole season,
1: right? Yeah, yeah. So I spent, you know, I had surgery and middle end of December of 2016, and they weren't going to clear me till January 1 of 2018. So I'm here for six, seven months before I can really start doing anything. And when I started coming back into it, it was only a couple of weeks in, maybe a month, I started experiencing a lot of pain in that knee again. Uh, so they ended up shutting me down for, I don't know, till June. They shut me down for four months, five months. After that, and then like I was telling you before, I come back and my first practice back, I had simple play, play you make all the time and hurt it again and tear my meniscus and I knew it right away. So I've already been out for 18 months and now I gotta be out for two more months right after that.
0: So a meniscus, but right after you had the surgery, you were like, I've had my meniscus done multiple times you were pretty much up walking and then was that it's a lot easier rehab than ACL, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So much easier. I, I remember it was maybe a week after I had the surgery, I was ready to start practicing again. But yeah. Mun said pump the brakes cause yeah. you've just been out for 18 months. Yeah, it, yeah. it doesn't hurt to be out for another two. So
0: it does not, no.
1: Which is smart at the end of the day, but you want to start getting back in there after you've, been out for so
0: long. Well, and what I don't think fans realize is your clock starts the minute you step on campus, right? Those five years, there's nothing that stops that five years. Look at Terese Bryson with his broken hand. Um, If you're lucky enough to be one of the and and dare I say lucky, that's probably a bad way to say it for those that played during COVID and get this this free year. I mean, that's an absolutely gift, right? I I mean, I would have loved to play another year of college basketball. Um, but
1: yeah, it's, it, sometimes you can get lucky and get the sixth year. but I think that's, that's in yeah very specific circumstances. The fact that I had transferred, so I'm in my freshman year. I transfer, yep. So I have to redshirt another year. So I knew leaving Loyola, I was going to only play three years of college yeah, basketball. Yeah,
0: yeah. All right, cool, Steve. We're going to talk about UCFs. So
2: the, yeah, go. Yeah, let's talk about your first year, a couple of those games, okay, so you, uh, the, the team's coming off the, the year before they played Loyal in the championship game, Yeah. right, uh-huh. the, 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 the year you redshirted, and then uh, um, you guys have, you, you go through non-conference, a little, a little bit over 500 and stuff like that, you had some good wins, overtime win against BYU, and then Of course, there's that opening NBC game. We'll just say the half-court shot, Velpo, enough said there. Moving on. You guys, (laughs) you win six out of the next eight games, and then you host Loyola at home. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And and so they're one game ahead of ISU. You're hosting at home. Let's talk about that game a little bit, especially since it's against the school where you had just transferred from.
1: Yeah, that was probably one of the more fun games I ever played in. Um, And it was nice because they said we had a rough non-conference we lose on a half-court buzzer beater to valpo then it started to feel like we started to put some pieces together and figure out how to play basketball um so i think the two games before that we beat indiana state by 15. we go to drake we i think we're leading by 20 the entire game and win by 15 or so so then we come into and I think Drake and Loyola were tied for one, and we're playing them back to back. So we beat Drake bad. Then we come into ISU, and I think it was a sold-out game. Um, I knew every player on the other team. I played with them for a year, um, and I think early on we got we got out ahead pretty early, and we held a 15 or 16 point lead the entire game. Um, and it's. Those are the best games, they're the most fun to play in because you're playing a really good team. You feel like you're putting the pieces together um, and you have the game plan done, you know exactly what you're doing, you know what you're supposed to do. Um, and then to see it, sometimes you know all these things but it doesn't pan out and you lose games. But to be able to be able to lead the entire game and know we, we should have been there uh, is, is a great feeling.
2: And then you had played up at Loyola earlier. Um, we lost by three. It was a close game, right?
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: But I, I don't think people remember, like, so Drake and Loyola ended up tying for first. We we beat Drake twice that year. You beat Loyola at home. And then you only lose to Loyola by three. You, can I talk about that game as well? I mean, you guys played well against the top teams in, in the conference that year.
1: Yeah, I think, I think we played at Loyola at Loyola before we played them at Redbird. Um, Correct. And I think they had – they are beating us by eight or ten or something for most of the first half. And we go into the second half, and then we put four stops in a row, five stops in a row. And on the offensive side, I think Keyshawn Evans hit a deep three, tough shot. I think Leak, I think he had a tough turnaround 15-footer. He was always – great at those mid-range shots. Phil had a nice little turnaround hook shot over Krutwig, I think it was. And then I had a put-back dunk. So we put up seven, eight points in a minute and a half, two minutes, and next thing you know, it's a one-point game for the last six minutes of the game or whatever it was. Um, Obviously, it didn't turn out the way we wanted, but going away to a really good team smaller gym that sold out and being able to kind of claw back after 30 minutes of okay basketball. Um, I think that's another thing that kind of jump-started that first half of the conference season for us.
2: And mm-hmm. in, in the, the fans, so that's the first time you played back at Loyola, right?
1: Yeah, that, that might have been the first time I'd been back there. Um, so it had been two years since I left. Uh, it was... Not the most welcoming, you know. Yeah, that's what
0: we want to hear about the fans. Uh, we want to hear about the fans. You were telling us off air what the, the fans were doing. You got to, this is some fun yeah. stuff.
1: Yeah, so earlier in the season, I hadn't been playing a ton. I'd been banged up. And then two games or so before Loyola, I was starting and starting to play solid minutes. So I'm starting at Loyola. And as soon as I walk out for warmups, There's people chirping at me, saying things, and then the game starts and there wasn't one possession where they were not yelling and screaming and cussing at me and the entire game nonstop. You know, if I had a foul, it was booze and all this and, you know, you should have never left and blah, 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 this, that, and the other. And then we go in for halftime and I think we were down seven, eight, nine whatever it was not playing great and there's I think there's eight or ten fans lined up waiting outside the locker room and so we're we're pissed off we're losing now you're dealing with these ten people yelling and hollering and what I remember I think they waited there until after we came out of the locker room too <laughs> so it was interesting as I mean it doesn't bother me it's a fun experience uh, but I think how did that
2: put back dunk feel? It
1: <laughs> <laughs> felt good, it did good right now. didn't yell at me back down the court, <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> especially when it's at the end of a 10 0 run in a short span.
2: Yeah, <laughs> that was awesome. So, i you know, the next season, you know. You know, you lost a lot of those seniors and stuff like that. And there was some roster turnover. But you guys actually, you start off 2-0. Beat a good Belmont team, right? Little, mm-hmm. Arkansas, little rock. And then uh, you, you're out, though. You, you broke your hand.
1: Yeah, so, really early. Second or third practice. Okay.
2: So How'd you do tell that? Tell us about that. Yeah.
1: Well, well I, was, I was playing defense, and I had gotten off balance. But we had JC Hillsman driving the ball, and he always drew a quick guy for being 6'6, 230 pounds. And I'm just off balance. And I try and slide in for a charge, and I fall back to catch myself. And then my body landed on top of my hand and just squished it and broke, broke my thumb. Um, but after that, they casted it up, and coach said, Get back in. So I practiced for. <laughs> I think I, I think he gave me six days off, um, and then I was practicing with a cast on.
2: So so what was and it you- was on
1: my right hand, so I couldn't hardly do anything. You know, I couldn't shoot the ball. You know, dribbling was tough.
2: So, so was your first game in the Virgin Islands?
1: No, I played against UCF. Okay. Um, so I had one game there, and I wasn't supposed to play in that game either, because I get my cast off. And then two days before that game, I tweaked my back and did something, and I couldn't stand up. I couldn't let alone walk or run. Um, somehow Munn was able to help me out and played through that game. And that the ending of that one was tough. You know, I think we had played a pretty good game. Uh, I think we, everyone played a good game. It wasn't one or two guys doing really well, but everyone played a good game we had a play drawn up at the end of the game, I think, maybe 15 seconds left and we're down one, maybe two. I came up, Zach pitched it to me, because Zach normally stayed outside on the three-point line because he's a three-point shooter. And then he comes up to get the ball back and he back cuts, bounce pass to him, and we must have just bobbled it, got knocked off a little out of bounds, and either stepped out or traveled or something. But we still had a chance to to get that back there at the end. I think we had a foul. They may have missed a free throw. We're only down two. But we're streaking down the court late. Uh, and I think Zach missed one back iron. Good looking three. Uh, so we dropped that one.
2: Yeah, I remember that, that backdoor cut, that, that was open. That was a good play. And then you yeah. guys go out to Virgin Islands, right? And you play a, a Cincinnati team. It was all, you know, perennial. Good, good team always. Tell us about that game and, and some of the players that were on there.
1: Yeah, so we played them our first game. So we were able to prepare for them, I don't know, maybe four or five days before we played them, which is unusual. And we get down there and we get going and they had – I think the reigning American League Player of the Year, Jared Cumberland, his cousin was a 6'7 shooter. They had two seven-footers on the team. I think they're supposed to be in, in and out of the top 25. They're supposed to be a really good team. And we're coming off a tough loss against UCF. You're flying to another country, getting settled in. When we come out playing really fast, and more, more importantly, we're playing smart. They can't do anything against us. I think they're doing a ball screen back cut and they can't get anything going. We held them to 65 points and I may just be making things up, but I think they were scoring high 70s, low 80s at the time. Um, And then we had similar to the UCF play, except it was flipped. Zach was passing to me out of the right corner. And he, he got it to me. They went to double him. They got it to me dunked it. I think we're up. I think it's a tie game at that point, 63-63. And they just give the ball to Cumberland, their best player, best player in the league. And he drives the ball real hard, makes a real tough layup there at the end. And again, it was almost identical to UCF. We're streaking down the court there at the end. And good-looking three, goes off back iron, and we end up dropping a second straight tough one in a row.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, you guys were so close to starting that season 4-0. It, yeah. I don't think people realize that, you know.
1: Yeah, I know. You get a couple balls going your way, a couple shots fall your way, and you start off 4-0, and your attitude's your attitudes a lot different after that. Um, exactly. You try not to let that affect you, but, you know, you drop two tough ones in a row, and then you got to turn around and play Western Kentucky. who's was a really good team uh, the next day. The tough one.
2: Yep. So, so fast forward, you know, you're going through that season. You already talked about, you had the broken hand, mm-hmm. the, the back, you know, ailments as well. You know, you've had knee surgeries and stuff like that. And, and ultimately we know that, that you decide to hang it up at the end of the season. But like, as you're going through that season, is it starting to cross your mind that this might be the last season or, 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 uh, is that something that just happened at the end of the season?
1: No, i started, you know, I don't think it changed how I played or did anything. You know, I still tried to dive on the court, play really hard and do all that. But you get these small things here and there that start adding up. You know, the knees are one thing, but you break your hand, you start having back issues. You know, small things like I got elbow in the face, teeth went through my lip. It's just all these small things really start to get annoying. And then... I'll throw in a funny story about Moeller here that I I enjoy against Bradley. So we're playing against Bradley at third place, I don't know, middle of the conference season, and I think they'd beat us earlier in the season or something. We had the scouting report down, and for whatever reason or another, there was just games where I was a half-step slow or a step slow, and I was trying not to be – I obviously didn't want to be like that, I remember I think his name was Luke Van Bree, six nine, good shooter. He always had a ten foot over the left shoulder fadeaway. It's all he did. Everyone knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. I'm guarding him. And again, I'm just a half step late. Muller calls a timeout or we go into media. It's a two minute timeout. And he's yelling at me for what seems like a minute and a half <laughs> of the two minute timeout. And I think it's part of his intensity of it. Because I deserved it, you know. I didn't. I wasn't trying to do it, but I deserved it. And I sat straight face, didn't make an expression, didn't do anything, wasn't trying to talk back or give anything. And then he pauses for a couple seconds, and he looks up at one of the coaches and says, "I'm tired of looking at him. Get him out of here." Because <laughs> I didn't make a Because re- I didn't make a reaction to him is what I thought. Yeah. But I say that because the next day. Uh, we go into practice and my knee's blown up and I can't walk. I can't move. And so I'm going through practice and it's just slowly getting worse and worse. And we lose to Bradley, so the coaches aren't happy. Um, and so they're really not happy with me because they think I'm, you know, not trying hard or something. And I ended up having an MRI a couple days later because it didn't get better. I had it drained and then MRI or something and torn meniscus. I have to have a surgery. Uh, late January, and this is right after, in mid-January, I had some work or something done on my back, some shots, and so you get your back and then a knee surgery in the season, and I think that was kind of the writing on the wall for me. I think for myself and the coaches who maybe think, you know, we can get them rehab stronger in the off season. I think that was kind of the nail in the coffin. Yeah, I came back to the last five games of the year and Played very spotty minutes and just didn't feel the same. Uh, I've always thought it's one thing to have your surgeries in the off season, but if you're having them in January, it's kind of tough to come back from because you're so beat down already, and you know just a little difference makes you know a big difference for a surgery. Especially, so. especially at
0: the game speed, right? And then here's the other thing is like I tell people, like you, came off a broken foot my junior year couldn't start running until first day of practice you don't have a game speed right there's different between being in shape and being in game shape and and for those that haven't played it's kind of hard to explain but that timing and that game shape is so important to your success and like you say being that half split second off is all a guy that you're playing against needs to to burn you right And, and
1: yeah, exactly. And, I, you know, I spent every every offseason getting wildly out of shape because I'm having some knee surgery or I'm shut down for a while. And then, like you said, you're coming back at the beginning of October and you don't really get your legs or your lungs until after Christmas break. But in the meantime, you have basically missed 14 games. Yeah. Maybe not missed, but you're not helping out as much as you should. Um,
0: I played like dog crap, right? I mean, I really admit that right yeah
1: and it's frustrating for yourself and for the team because you don't hey what what kind of player are we getting today out of him you don't know and you know as a player you you don't want to be that guy you always want to be good you don't want to take days off but sometimes it just doesn't work like no, that it doesn't that's kind of what me and coach talked about uh after the season we had our meeting and it was it it wasn't really much of a conversation it was Yeah, this is probably the smart decision. You know, it's what doctors saying, what MUNS recommended, um, and just how I felt on a day to day basis. Uh, So it wasn't much of a decision. It's still a really hard decision to make. But the time kind of run its course.
0: And dude, you were high flying. You were diving on everything, right? The minute you're diving on the floor, you are a a target for everybody else because with your quickness you were there quicker for my is I was slow and big and so I would get there that half second or second too late and now you got a 610 260 guy hitting you right <laughs> it's it's a no-win situation right and so um yeah because I was always amazed at you're on the ground you're in every scrum it seemed like every time run, you turn around you're on the ground getting the ball and you got to do that to win the 50 50 balls right people don't get that right if you don't win the 50 50 balls and you don't you know control the glass and get more free throws you don't win games and so because everybody's yeah, that's, that's
1: what yeah that's what Mullard always harped on too you need you need everyone on the team doing it getting on the floor 50 50 balls or you need at least one person trying to get everything because it makes makes a world of a difference to, to the opponents thinking that now they got to start hustling more and getting on the ball yeah, if they yeah. want to get it.
2: Yeah. So, so, I mean, Matt, I'll, I'll just tell you this, the thing I loved about your game was your energy. Okay. It's just, just what Pemberton was saying. So here, let me tell you a story. So, you know, John Diner and I, we, we had season tickets, so we saw you play a lot. And, and Pemberton doesn't saw you, but he sees you on TV. And watching on TV is different than Very watching different. It live. So, so we're down in St. Louis, right? And... and your, your first year, and, and he's down there with us. So this was the first time he's actually seeing you live, okay? And you're just you're just doing some balls-of-the-wall stuff out there, diving, you know, jumping, like, over the backboard, you know, things like that. You're just, you, you you're Mr. High Energy, right? And he, he's just like, you look at this guy, you look at this guy! He's, like, getting all stoked up over you, you know? So, I I mean, your one of your strengths, I thought, was that energy you brought to the game. But I think... You know, it also probably was one of the things that made you prone to injury, you know, yeah. just going in there head first, just relentless, you know, just yeah, relentless. No, it,
1: it, it definitely didn't help, but it's kind of the, the only way I knew how to play. You know, I figured that's what's going to help out the team. That's kind of how I got used to playing. So I think if I tried to come back for my fifth year and I don't play like that, then you yeah. know, I'm not really helping the team. And they might be better off trying to pick up a guy who yeah. can do stuff like yeah. that.
2: Yeah
0: yeah and you call it steve energy it's the love and passion for the game right it's the getting out there and competing so okay so all right one of the things i'm hugely jealous is is i never got to do is go to europe and matt you guys went to italy let's hear about italy
1: yeah those those trips are fun they're they're always fun i got lucky i ended up going to two european trips because we went my freshman year and then again when i was a junior, but those trips are a lot of fun. I think the way Mueller handles them or coaches handle them is a lot of them see that. What some people may not know if they have a win is you get ten full practices in the summer leading up to it. So it's two and a half, three-hour practice, and then you can get extra workouts. You do lifting, all that other stuff, but it's an extra ten official practices, which doesn't sound like much, but it makes A huge difference. I think the year before we went, we had a handful of newcomers and freshmen. I think we probably had six or seven of them. And having those ten practices before your season starts makes a huge difference. You don't have to do so much there at the beginning of the year, like put in a man or a zone defense or basic plays. And then once you go over to Italy, that's kind of the players' time. Coach let us kind of go off on our own. Uh, You have some tours, but it's mostly go see what you want to see and explore. So I know me and some of our teammates and the managers, we would go walk around and hopefully not get lost. You have no service, no maps or anything. So you kind of go by landmarks. And I know one night we got walking around late. Next thing you know, we turn a corner. It's the Roman Coliseum at 2 in the morning or something. And we're like, well, at least we know how to get to the hotel now. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but stuff like that is, is stuff. I'll never forget. It's There's not very often you can go see things like that. Um, and the only people you have when you're there are your teammates, you know, the managers and the coaches. So you're spending all your time with them. There's no sneaking away and being by yourself if you wanted. Um, then also you get to go play games over there. You're used to beating up on each other all summer and you haven't played another opponent since the previous March. So it's a lot of fun to get out there against other people and see how you guys are and what you need to work on when you get back. But those are a lot of fun. I know when we went, we played some team from Lithuania and things got chippy at the end. And everyone ended up on the court and at the the buzzer right before the buzzer. And it was get out of there and get back to the bus. (laughs)
2: was the Italy trip, I just seem to recall this, I'm just remembering this, Uh, someone had never ridden a bike before or something like that?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. So one of the days we went on a bike tour, and you go rent out bikes and ride them around. I think we were in Florence, and you ride them around for a couple hours, and we get there and Dedrick Boyd says, uh, you know, Coach, I've never ridden a bike, or I don't know how to ride a bike, or whatever it was, and. Everyone's kind of joking and messing with him. Didn't believe him. He tried to hop on one and couldn't ride one. So Moeller said, well, me and you will take the tandem bicycle. So oh, no. DB and Mueller are riding around Florence, front to back in a tandem bicycle for two and a half hours. And then we get to this big open square. There's a good amount of people there, but enough room. So we parked and we said, we're going to teach Dedrick how to ride how to ride a bike. And people are looking at us funny, we're all parked, we're standing around, cheering on Dedrick. And slowly, people start to pick up that he doesn't know how to ride a bike and we're teaching him. So we get a crowd of, it had to be 40, 50 people sent around watching. And he's kind of coasting, he stays up for a while and everyone, there's 25 of us and 50 other people just cheering and hollering for Dedrick.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome.
0: And then on top of it, you are all giants, right? You know, yeah. Because even uh, it, it, we talk about, oh, that guard's short. That's 6'2", 6'3", that ain't short, right? And so,
1: yeah. No, not at all. So we kind of stick out like a sore thumb. <laughs> <Yeah. over.
0: laughs> yeah. That is awesome. And it, Matt, you said get done with practice at 7, and you sit there sometimes in the locker room telling dumb jokes or calling each other names for two hours. And <laughs> next thing you know, it's...
1: Yeah, it's it's nine thirty or ten o'clock and it's a Wednesday night and you have class at eight in the morning, you're like, Well, I didn't exactly do anything I was supposed to tonight, so I guess we'll try again tomorrow. And <laughs> tomorrow comes and you do the same thing. You sit around and talk about nothing. You talk trash to each other and make fun of each other and you don't no one can prove anything in the locker room at eight o'clock at night, so you're <laughs> just sitting there and poking at each other all night.
0: It's the brotherhood, man. And that's the,
1: that's what.
2: So, so speaking of talking trash, so, so you're, you played baseball in high school, right?
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: And I've seen some of your posts. It, it seems like you're a baseball fan too. A little bit, a little yeah?
1: bit. Yeah. So,
2: you know, there, there's a post up there of you, of you in high school and, and, and you pitched like a shutout for like six innings and stuff like that. So. Do you ever talk to Taylor and say, you know, you're the better pitcher? Or, or,
1: or, Well, well, funny thing was I lived with Taylor for all four years that I was here and that he was here. We were in the dorms together, and he was always a big baseball fan. You know, I played it in high school because that's what my buddies did, and, you know, it was enjoyable to be outside and do that that whole thing. But Taylor was big into baseball, and I remember we stopped playing basketball the same same offseason and so we're still living together and he starts throwing the baseball around He's like, I'm going to go try and play baseball I'm like well hell if you do that I'll go do that Taylor <laughs> <laughs> I I do and he stuck with it a little more than me but yeah I, I didn't let him live it down until he finally signed and then said okay well I guess you you might have me. Hey. <laughs> the,
2: the, the year afterwards did he have you like catching for him so he could get warmed up and stuff like that
1: no, he would. He would take his little brother lived with us too. He'd snag him at seven in the morning when he's trying to sleep and say, "Doug, let's go." <laughs> so I, I avoided that. So, so we have to ask you
2: this question. Uh, um, you know, there's been lots of talk on, on Redbird Board about your hair. Okay, it got longer. Longer. you had high as It did. So. Uh, Coach Muller, proponent or opponent of the hair?
1: I don't think he could have hated it anymore. And he wasn't <laughs> up, he let me know once a month at least. And when I got here, it wasn't near this long. So it wasn't so bad at the beginning, and he still made comments about it then. And this was, you know, when I was 19, so by the time I was 22, 23... Yeah, I'm surprised he kept me on the team that long. <laughs> was your mama a proponent? No, not really. No. Not. <laughs> I don't think many people were or are proponents of, but that's all right. So, so when was the last time you had, had cut it? Well, I get it trimmed up. Um, yeah. But after, I think after I stopped playing or maybe the year before I cut, eight or ten inches of it off. So it cleaned it up a little bit more. Didn't look so bad. At least I didn't think. But <laughs> it hasn't been short since I don't know, six years or so.
0: Oh, well, you got a full time job, so you probably don't have to cut it ever again if you don't want, so
1: Yeah, I mean they I got the job, so they didn't care too much yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. There you go.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to wrap this up with Matt. Matt, thank you so much. It was an honor and a pleasure to watch you play um, for Episode 9. We are a wrap, and Mr. Engineer, take us out.